Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to a new episode of Second Take Cinema, coming to you from sunny Southend-on-Sea at the Impala Films headquarters. As always, I am your host, Jamie Evans, joined, as per usual, by Mr. Rory Jocelyn. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going all cyberpunk on your candy asses as we take a look at the 2017 Americanization live-action version of a classic Japanese anime. Today, we're talking Ghost in the Shell. So, Ghost in the Shell is a science fiction, cyberpunk, live-action movie from the year 2017, directed by Rupert Sanders, uh, from a script by Jamie Moss, William Wheeler, and Aaron Kruger, based on the Japanese manga and anime of the same name. It stars Scarlett Johansson, Takeshi Kitano, Michael Pitt, Pilau Azbeek, or Azbek, Chin Han, and Juliet Binoche. Um, and uh, this film had a budget... Of $110 million. And it made $169.8 million. So it's a success, eventually. Um, well, no, it's still considered a flop. They wanted it to make a lot more than it did. It earned its budget back, well. Yeah, so... So at least it did that. Yeah, I would have always uh, considered a flop something that didn't make its money back. Yeah, it, it basically... It, Form below their expectations. They thought this was going to be a proper like blockbuster tentpole movie, right? And it wasn't. Um, it was mostly shot in New Zealand, uh, with some additional filming in Hong Kong, um, and uh, premiered in Tokyo on March sixteenth, twenty seventeen. Um, we're not going to talk too much about it because it's been and gone. And what do we know about this? Uh, but this film obviously was marred by. A uh, very vocal, very public uh, criticism about the casting of Scarlett Johansson as the main character. Yep. Um, which I feel like those people didn't necessarily understand the concept of the film. Because the concept of the film is Scarlett Johansson is playing a robot body. Yeah, so the, the it is meant to be a Japanese woman... But all that's left of the Japanese woman is her brain, and she's put in a robot body. That looks that, like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, and that's meant to be something that is marketable to a certain degree, and it's also designed by an American guy running... Like, the guy runs an American company, and he's an American guy. So, it's... I, I can understand the disdain, but actually, when they asked people in Japan, people in Japan thought it was fine. They liked the idea. Yeah. Um, so, originally this was going to be a Disney film, you know. 
Oh, really? Disney had the rights to adapt I'm glad this. they didn't. Uh, but basically, they... Um, they would have sanitised the hell out of it. Yeah. Well, basically, they ended up not making it because of development hell. It, eventually, the rights transferred to Paramount. Uh, and the surefire sign that they have faith in a film, it was not screened for critics prior to release. Oh, dear. Uh, usually, whenever you see that, that means they know the film is crap. Or they think there's a good chance that the critics won't get it. Yes. And we'll give it a bad review and therefore detract people from the cinema. I mean, that would have been after the anti-Scarlett Johansson casting stuff. Because that happened as soon as they announced her, basically. Yeah. Um, but also, let's be honest. Critics will automatically have given this a low score because of that as well. We've seen it before from other critics. In Wild Hog, some other critics gave it a negative review. Not because the film was bad, but because Tim Allen's in it. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly what they were going to do. Not because they don't like Scarlett Johansson, but because it's Scarlett Johansson in what they believe should be a Japanese role. Yeah. So, uh, to give you an indication of how much it underperformed their expectations, they were projecting a $25 million opening weekend. Its opening weekend ended up being um, $19 million, so it was $6 million below their expectations. Okay. It opened third at the box office behind The Boss Baby, and Beauty and the Beast. Oh my god, the fact that Boss Baby... Boss Baby was... Oh, what a garbage idea. Um, uh, Deadline... Really? Deadline attributed the poor opening to below-average critical reviews, an unclear marketing campaign, and the fact that Scarlett Johansson has no social media presence. I don't want to live in a world... I've heard that this is the case now, but I don't want to live in a world where a film's success depends on if its stars are on social media or not. I mean... I suppose Black Widow didn't do very well either, actually, thinking about it. But she's been in plenty of well-regarded and well-sold films, though. Yeah. Like, you would have thought that her... And she was already in Marvel by this point. So yeah. it's not a case of she's an unknown quantity, but if only she'd made a post on her Twitter account. Yeah. You know? Um Kyle Davis, the domestic distribution chief for Paramount, tried to argue that the poor performance was due to the casting controversy, mm. which a lot of people felt they shouldn't go and see the film in protest. I agree However, with that. I think a lot of that had to do with it. Deadline argued that the negative critical assessment was due to the film being cold, boring, thoughtless, and the same old, same old next to its futuristic ancestors, The Matrix and Blade Runner. I mean, uh, that's a bit unfair because it pre like the original story predates... Um, uh, definitely predates uh, The Matrix. Yeah. And, yeah, it does not predate Blade Runner and yeah. Do Android Dream of Electric Sheep. Uh, the film did much better in Japan and China. Um, Weird, that, isn't it? The ones who should be offended by... Yeah. The casting. Uh, critical response on Rotten Tomatoes. The film has 43% with an average rating of 5.5 out of 10. The website's critical consensus reads, Ghost in the Shell boasts boasts cool visuals and a compelling central performance from Scarlett Johansson, but the end result lacks the magic of the movie's classic source material. On Metacritic, the film has a score of 52 out of 100, uh, with mostly mixed or average reviews. Justin Chang of the Los Angeles Times praised the film's visuals and production, uh, saying some of that ravishment arrives courtesy of the movie's setting, a stunning pan-Asian metropolis that makes boldly inventive use of the Hong Kong skyline. Its tightly stacked building 
buildings tricked out with enormous holographic billboards. The cinematography and production design, both staggering, are by Jess Hall and Jan Rolfs, respectively. Michael Phillips of Chicago Tribune gave it 3 out of 4 and said this isn't jokey, quippy science fiction. True to the source material, it's fairly grave about the implications of an android-dominated culture, though of course Ghost in the Shell is also about giant mecha spiders equipped with machine guns. And lastly, Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times gave the film 2.5 out of 4 stars, saying just about every scene in Ghost in the Shell is a visual wonder to behold and you'll have ample time to soak in all that background eye candy because the plot machinations and the action in the foreground are largely of the ho-hum retread variety, um, which is a weird... Uh... <laughs> they do realise that they're watching a remake, right? Like, a lot of... Uh, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that the film doesn't have major flaws in the way it's plotted out, things like that. You know, we'll get to those. But a lot of them are saying, like, oh, here we go, it's like a retread. Well, yes, it's a remake. Yeah. A remake will retread... The story. Yeah, well, that's. I think their problem is it's retreading other stories, not Ghost in the Shell. Because I can see here, uh, Cecilia de Anastasio, which is a great name, yeah. of Kotaku, commented on the film's failure to stick to the source material, saying somebody misjudged just how poorly American superhero movie tropes could be mapped onto Ghost in the Shell. The final scene tried to do that satisfying our need for closure thing that American directors think is kind, but is actually condescending. I don't know if I agree with that particularly, but okay, that's fair enough, that's her view. I don't know if I agree with that, though, because I, I don't think it was particularly... I wouldn't have said the ending of this film was particularly condescending. No, although we did both openly joke that it's basically the ending from Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, I actually can't remember the original very well at all, so I don't know how accurate it is. No, so that would be something... Because we are planning to do the original as well. We decided to do it this way round, A, because, let's be honest, an American film is probably going to pull in a bigger audience than a Japanese film. But the other reason being that no one else would do it this way, and it just seems interesting to do it this way. Yeah, I think that's a nice way to put it. I also, to be honest, I'd much rather watch this version than the anime. I've, oh, I've, oh, oh, wait, can you hear? Can you hear the pitchforks and torches? They're coming to get you, Rory. The irony is, I've got, I think I've got the original on Blu-ray, and I still haven't watched it. So you, you, like you put this on the list. You put Ghost in the Shell I on did. the list. Tell us a bit about the first time you saw Ghost in the Shell and why you wanted to give it a second take. So, um, without going too much into the original, because as I say, we've got plans to do that one itself. I remembered in the late nineties, early two thousands, when I was still buying things on VHS. Uh, that people, like, I saw a few animes, including Akira, things like that. And people were like, you've got to see Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell is one of those incredible, seminal films from, you know, anime. You're going to love it. I bought it. I watched it. I me no likey. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't work for me. So I wasn't going to watch this remake. Um, when it came round, I was like, eh, no. And then I saw that it was very pretty looking from the trailers. I Actually, the setting looks like something I like. I hate modern movies, versions of visions of the future, where they're really basically Apple Store white and bland and boring as all hell. Um, this isn't that. I can see what people are talking about, where it takes an aesthetic tone from Blade Runner, because the uh, all of the 
what they called hologram advertisements and the neo-noir and that that fusion of asia with americanisms yeah very blade runner-esque and i love that that's one of the things i love about the cyberpunk genre is its aesthetic um, and this does nail that. So I saw that and was like, okay, that's got my interest. Then I saw uh, Scarlett Johansson's in it. And I'm like, she's hot. I like seeing Scarlett Johansson in stuff. And she's often in good films. So that was another plus. And then the third one that went, right, shit, I've got to watch this film now. Beat Takeshi Kitano's in it. And I am a massive fan of Beat Takeshi Kitano. Uh, I own a lot of his films uh, from Japan as well obviously and i've got several films that he made in the west that are some well known some not well known um certainly some classics things like merry christmas mr lawrence uh, but most people are probably known from battle royale uh but yeah so because i was a big fan of him uh, he was also in johnny mnemonic if you want another cyberpunky connection there um but i thought you know what i've got to give this a shot and i'm glad i did i enjoyed it when i saw it and then after i watched it enjoyed myself was that in cinemas you saw it? No, I watched it at home. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, you know what? I like this film. It's a good film. And actually, I prefer it to what I remember of the original. And then over the last few years, uh, I've heard multiple people talking about how shit it is. <laughs> and that it is not critically acclaimed. or And that there is a lot of negativity not just about the casting, but about some of its style choices, things like that. Parts of the film that I liked, the style choices. And I thought, well, we're doing second take cinema. Perhaps it's not as good as I remembered. So I, I offered it up to the to the altar of Jamie. And uh, he approved. What's your memories of this film, Jamie? Uh, so I did go to the cinema to see this. Okay. Uh, this was back when I had my Limitless card. And I was still with my ex-fiance at the time. And so we used to go to the cinema at least once a week with all limitless cards. Yeah. And Ghost in the Shell was there. I'd already seen the anime one and had fallen asleep watching it because it was boring as fuck. Um, <laughs> we are really controversial about that original. Yeah, we? I do want to I want to see the original again because I maybe I need to give it a fairer chance. Mm. Um this one didn't look particularly good either in the trailers. There's a blue filter or something on it that makes everything have this blue look to it, which I hate. Um, but there were a few things in the trailer I did like the look of, like the, the robot geishas looked really cool. Yeah. And the guy who we later find out is, what's his name? Kizune or something like that. The The bad guy. Oh, the bad guy. Um, what, the one she's hunting or the one who turns on her? The one she's hunting. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a bit in the trailer where you can kind of like see him and it's all in shadow. It's when he first lifts his hood down. Yeah. But you can kind of tell something's fucked up about him. Um, and I just thought, oh, that looks cool. Let's yeah. let's do that. Um, I didn't... Uh, so this is a case where my opinion on a film hasn't changed, really. Um, I thought it was okay in the cinema and I thought it was okay this time. Sure. Um, I haven't thought about it at all between seeing it in the cinema and seeing <laughs> it now. It's not um, something that's gripped and held on to you. No, no. Is there um, even a little clip of something somewhere there? Because sometimes a little piece of a film will grab you and um, stay with he, you. Or... He looks worse than I remembered. What, the guy? The guy, his eyes the villain. Replaced. Oh, the villain. The villain. He looks worse than I remembered. And I remembered the bit... I have, I tell a lie, I've always remembered the bit where she literally tears herself apart at the end, because mm. uh, that's kind of weird and cool. Yeah. Um, 
it's fine. This is not my sort of film. It's a very action-driven film. I don't personally feel it's nearly as philosophical as people claim that it is. Um, but that's just me. All right, so let's talk about the philosophy first of all, because I think that's an important one that you raise. Um, I think I was okay with the... So this film does touch on a lot of philosophical ideas. Mm. The problem I find with it when it comes to those philosophical ideas is it literally only touches on them and then it buggers off and moves on to something else. Yeah. So it, it you never get you're never satisfied with the amount of it, it doesn't go into anything in depth at all. So it's just like, oh, imagine if this anyway, let's move on to the action. You're like. I, I, but th that was a cool idea. Can you can you go back? No. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Um, <laughs> and it does that multiple times. Yeah. So it's definitely thoughtful in that it knew what to touch on, but not not intelligent enough to actually delve into any of it. Yeah, it doesn't explore any of it. There's a bit relatively near the beginning where there are two characters who are basically irrelevant to the rest of the film. They're mm. just side characters um, or talking about. Uh, getting enhanced because it's set in a world where humans can get cybernetic enhancements yeah. relatively easily it looks like yeah it looks like quite um, a standard thing yeah which surprised me I, I thought we'd go into a whole only the rich can afford it thing yeah. um, and there's a bit where one of them's like oh he's gone and got more enhancements but he's keeping it a secret because it's almost a shameful thing for some people Yeah, and I would have liked to explore that more maybe you know because I can imagine if you know I say if, when, when we get to the stage where this becomes an actual real-world issue, which it's clearly going to, and according to, if you want to believe people like Elon Musk within our lifetime, yeah, um, I genuinely think you will get a fracturing of the human race where there will be whole, whole groups who are very much about keeping humanity pure. Yeah, well, we see that now, don't we, with um, after COVID on certain dating sites, you get some people that put yeah. uh, nobody with vaccinations, I want to keep my DNA pure and stuff yeah, like that. because they, they think your DNA's been altered by a COVID vaccine. Yeah, so, I mean, like, if people think about uh, think that about something like that, which is, while COVID itself wasn't, but, like, the idea of getting a vaccine is quite trivial. Yeah. Uh, they will definitely do it when you're ripping off bits yeah. of your body to replace it with mech replacements. Yeah. I have to say, I, me, and, uh, me and an old friend of mine had this conversation at uni. I'd never do it. Mm. Um, I don't think I could. Mainly for the reason right at the start of this film where that guy gets, he's got a chip in his head and the geisha robot uh, hacks him. Yeah. Literally hacks him, and that happens a few times in the film yeah, where people are hacked and taken control. You've got of. the um, dustbin men. Uh, yeah. they're, they're just having a normal conversation. All of a sudden, off they yeah. off they go to become murderers, and also and people's memories can be wiped and stolen. And, yeah. So oh, yeah. one of the times that this film touches on a really cool philosophical thing, but then just waves it off and moves on, is actually one of those guys. Like they they kill one of the uh, drivers, like one of the dustbinmen because they they're, they're reprogrammed to try and assassinate someone they fail at that but one of them gets killed the other one runs away and is defeated by the main character scarlett Hanson called major uh, major defeats him and then they've got him in this interrogation room 
but he's now back to what you think is his normal self. He's like, please, I've got a wife, I've got a daughter, I love my daughter. And they look into everything and he has no family. He's mm. been living in a place for 10 years on his own. and But he's so certain that he has this daughter, like this vivid memory, because it's a fake memory that the hacker put into him. Yeah. And that's such a dark and macabre thing of, you know, if you're giving yourself the ability to get updates and connectivity, how can you then trust your memories? Which is a really cool idea. And that's played really dark. I love that scene. But it never comes back up. And it's like, well... And also, you never get an explanation from the villainous. So it's like, well, why did you give him a fake memory then? Never comes up. No one cares. It's yeah. moved on. It's done. It's under the carpet now. We're moving on to just trying to capture the guy. And it's like... it's. it's such a cool idea to focus on like maybe none of them can trust their memories yeah but that doesn't come up so the storyline falls short of its own premise there yeah because um, it's focused on being an action movie as opposed to yeah i'll be honest though i remember the same issues being inherent in the original oh i'm sure they probably um are. but yeah um what what do you think on the philosophy of the film? Like, was there any interesting questions it raised, even if it didn't delve into them particularly well? Um, well, like you said, the whole idea of like, you know, would you allow people? Like, would you have a chip in your brain so that people can, knowing people could hack you, people could observe you? I actually watched a video the other day talking about life in Britain, and it was on about how Britain is one of the most heavily surveilled nations in the entire world. Even compared to China? Yeah. I mean, wow. China's probably worse. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. But, like, when you think there's 190-something countries in the world... Yeah, it's true. Um, Britain's, like, in the, I'd say, top ten, I think, Yeah. for surveillance. According to this guy, I don't know how true this is, you can't go 30 feet in this country, or I think he said 30 metres, 30 metres in this country without being captured on a camera. Because there are cameras everywhere. Well, it depends as well, because some people get like them ring doorbells yeah, and stuff every, like that, so yeah. there's always a camera somewhere. Yeah, there's ring yeah. doorbells everywhere. Everyone's walking around holding cameras. There's cameras in all the shops, in all the public transport, um, in, all the, in all the buildings. There are cameras everywhere in this country. We are very, very surveilled in this country. Makes it very difficult to commit a crime, doesn't it, Jamie? It does, which is very annoying. Um, <laughs> what? Hang on. <laughs> How many crimes are you looking they're to just, commit, Jamie? They're just making it more and more difficult to be a criminal. It's yeah. hard. Um, but imagine how much even worse that would be if you had a chip in your head. Yeah, well, yeah. They, they, this is a, another big part of it, isn't it? It's like, how do you. They could also implant the memory that you'd committed a crime you didn't commit. Yeah, or take away memories. Yeah, or do or do anything. It you you surrender bodily autonomy and individuality the minute you do that. Yeah, because this would this would be managed by a corporation. Let's be clear here. Oh yeah, yeah. Like there's no way in hell they're just gonna go. Oh, here's. Your, do you know what they do? Oh my god, you know what they do? You go into like, I know it's a big electronics company, Bosch. You go into like Bosch. No, that's Tesla. That's villainize Elon Musk. Villain. Villain. Villainize. Vilify. Elon vilify? Musk, vilify. I suppose, yeah. Let's vilify Elon Musk even more. You would go into Tesla and be like, yeah, man, I want robot legs and robot arms, brother. And he'd be like, yeah, cool, here you go. By the way, that's a subscription model. Can't pay your subscription? Hope you like standing in one place forever. Oh, no, my legs, my legs aren't working. Oh, no. Yeah. 
Like yeah. I'm not even joking. That is the capitalistic hellscape we're heading to. Well, they, they do it now with cars, don't they? You get those yeah. cars where the you've got the seat warmer. Yeah, and they're all fully installed, ready to go. It's just you need a subscription, otherwise they won't work. Yeah, so they can turn them on. Yeah, and here's the thing, right? That You'd think, well, seat warmer's not a big deal, but that's like step one. Yeah, yeah. No, of course the seat warmer's not a big deal. You <laughs> Next don't care. thing you know, your brakes don't work. <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't upgrade your subscription. Your brakes aren't going to... F- yeah. End-stage capitalism, where human life has no inherent value. Mm. Um, and obviously, it also brings up a load of questions about, like, what is a person? Because uh, that's kind of her journey, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Which is, you know, she doesn't feel human anymore. Because yeah. everyone's telling her she's not. Everyone's telling her, you know, you know, you're the first of a new kind. Yeah. Everyone's gonna be you soon. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's the next step up in yeah. evolution. And she says, doesn't she? You have no idea how sad that makes me. You're lonely. Lonely is that yeah. what she says? Yeah, I think it's um, lonely. Um, but which again is garbage. And I've always thought this <laughs> when when people do the whole um, next step in evolution is this I I always find it fascinating and I, I hate to bring up Doctor Who but I'm going to go back to Doctor Who here I think it's from a Capaldi episode but it might be a David Tennant one it's definitely a Cyberman episode sure do you know what I might be wrong it might even be a Matt Smith episode it's a Doctor right it's Doctor Who and this Cybermen and the Doctor I don't know which one it is says to the Cybermen what if you win? What are you going to do? If you take over the world and you convert everyone in the planet to Cybermen, that's it. Because Cybermen don't evolve. Yeah. Machines and robots don't evolve. So that's it. Everything just stops where it is forever and doesn't at- adapt to anything. And that seems to be the future that these people want in Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Human brains walking around in metal skin suits, your bodies will never evolve. Yeah, see, I, it, maybe it was just made a little too early to incorporate this. Um, certainly the original would have been. But the subscription model idea is actually the part that would make that storyline work. Yeah, we You've, should do that in something. That would be cool. Because, yeah, you can't pay your subscription, so you're just stuck. Your brain is still going, you're still alive, but can't you can't pay. Can't shit. pay, we'll take it away. Yeah, basically, you're, without your subscription model, you may as well be comatose. Yeah. You're alive, you're still able to think, but pff, can't do shit. Can't communicate it either. Imagine a scene. I'm off Ghost in the Shell now. I'm writing my own film. Imagine (laughs) a scene walking down a street and it's like Pompeii. You know what Pompeii where they've got all the people who were frozen by the volcano? But these are living people who are just like this in comatose states. They're barely breathing. And people are like, oh my God, what happened to these people? Oh, they didn't pay the subscription fee. Yeah. So now they've lost the right to move. Imagine you go into like a voting booth and it's finger ID to vote. Um, not paid your voting fee? Can't vote. Yep. Yeah, it's basically that. Um, so oh ba- my God, you know what they totally do? I, I'd do this. I'd definitely have a scene of this. A bit where a dude can't get it up because he ain't put his subscription in. <laughs> What's that? You want to fuck? No. <laughs> so, and this ba- is, sorry, last thing. This is another thing of problem with their planned future. No new humans would ever be born. No, of course they wouldn't. Because the robots ain't fucking. Well, the robots... And even if they're fucking, they ain't having babies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are they going to just grow everyone in a lab? Also, it doesn't technically classify as evolution. It's a modification. Mm. Evolution is where the species is propagating the change. Yeah. But this may affect the species if everyone has it. But again, as you say, there would be no procreation. No, so the species the... would evolve. Yeah. You would actually not de-evolve, but you would, you would uh, stagnate mm. at this level. Forever and ever. Yeah. 
Also, what if your brain dies? And then honestly, I'm not even joking, I, I genuinely think you would then go the Cyberman route, where over time, it starts becoming... Well, actually, because you know, if everyone had robot bodies, you know, they, the first thing they'd bring in is, well, okay, your robot body doesn't need to sleep. Your brain needs to sleep, but your mm. body doesn't. So you can go in a sleep mode where you go to sleep and your body goes on autopilot and keeps working all day. You know and what? Then I'd love go, to do that now because then we could all work throughout the night, wake up and enjoy our days off. But they wouldn't do that. They'd make you work all no, the time. Course, yeah. And then it'd be... And then it'd be, do you know what? Emotions are inefficient, so let's just put an emotional inhibitor chip in there. Yeah. Cybermen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. So, back to Ghost in the Shell. Um, it's not as good. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the things I really liked about this film, mm-hmm. and I know you've already mentioned that it didn't hold up as much as you uh, remembered it doing in the cinema, but was the, uh, the environments. Mm. Now, one of the things that I love about cyberpunk uh as a as a genre as much as anything else and to be fair it wasn't inherent in the novels and stuff like that but is the aesthetic that blade runner brought in mm. it's the one thing that even the b movies within cyberpunk and let's be honest most cyberpunk movies are b movies uh keep some semblance of yeah um but blade runner really kind of did it best this is the next this is one of those films that actually holds quite strongly to that aesthetic now i know what you were saying that there was a blue filter and there quite usually is a blue filter on several of the exterior scenes but there are some where the filter is either not there or is um reduced quite a bit to the point where you can see all the neon colors on all the these colorful lights that are you know stuck everywhere around the city i think it's gorgeous uh, don't get me wrong, I understand some of the visual effects parts don't hold up as well six mm. years later as they did in 2017. But most of them, like the hologram bits do. Um, and actually most of the worst effects are the bits where people's faces move and stuff like that with uh, the body mods. Most of the actual city effects are fine. Mm. And I think this city looks gorgeous. This is the exact aesthetic that I like to see yeah. in my futuristic films. Not the clean-cut Apple Store bullshit that we see in almost every single film. I mean, it started in THX uh, 1138, but at least at the time, that was unique. Yeah, Uh, everything. Now everything is Apple Store. I don't know why everyone thinks white is the colour of the future. That seems pretty racist, actually. (laughs) Well, also, the other is because... For something to be pure white, it has to be clean, which suggests you can't let you can't leave it for a while this because is the, it will look they, dirty. They always do that because they want it to have this clean look to it. Yeah. And you're like, have you ever tried keeping something white clean for more than an hour? <laughs> yeah. It actually like it suggests to me that they're in it, if they're not actually clean, it's they are clean, but they're also highly impractical. Mm. They're wasting money on making things pure white, which will dirty be, up very quickly. To be fair, that bit I can agree with, though, because I do suspect in the future we're heading to, you're going to have a whole... I mean, we already have it, a whole class of people who just waste money. It's just true. throw it away on vanity projects. Yeah, like Let's making be honest. films. Let's be honest. In, in the future, <laughs> the Statue of Liberty is going to have been replaced by either Bezos or Elon Musk's face. Um, and instead of a torch, they're just going to have their giant fucking dick in their hands. Anyway, um, I like I like the um, a lot of the vistas and the the landscape mm. shots of the city are some of the best shots in the film. Yeah, I really like that. 
um, and most of the billboard effects really work really well. They they cross the line with the holograms a little bit for me in one sequence where they've even got them. They've got like the arrows on the road are holograms. Yeah, and, and that was a bit like where are they coming from? Yeah, like, no, I, I, I agree I get, with that. I get where the ones from the buildings are being projected. Yeah, there's obviously an advertising plate or something. Yeah, there, but, but the ones that are flat to the road. Yeah, they don't make sense. Yeah, because something above them would have to be projecting. Yeah. Also, them. you wouldn't need that. Your your vehicle itself would have a heads-up display that sh- projects those, but only yeah. as a user interface, not actually onto yeah. the road itself. Plus, the cars would be driverless by then. Well, yeah. But, I mean, like, what I quite liked as well, actually get, keeping with the th- in tone with the theme of design, is that the cars in this, while they're, it, it may seem stupid that there are still cars, that the cars are uh, retro-futuristic. They are, yeah. Uh, and not current-day, because fu- futuristic ideas of car design nowadays are a bit garbage. Um I like the idea of it being very much an 80s and 90s view of what the future looks like. The actual real-world future cars, probably... I'm talking, you know, like 200 years from now, if we're even allowed to still drive cars by then, they're not really going to be anything like cars that we know today because they're all going to be driverless, mm. so they will probably just be orbs of some kind well, that you sit in yeah. with a fucking movie screen so you can watch film because... Because you know we're heading to a future where you can't stop the content, man. You've well, got to be having a constant stream of content. So what I'm talking about in terms of the car design is a good example of this. Is uh, all the all the cars or the main cars that you give a shit about are all wedge shape, mm. uh, which is a very classic late seventies during the eighties style design. Things like the the famous uh, Lamborghini Testarossa, uh, no Ferrari Testarossa, sorry, um, Lamborghini. Um, oh, what's the Lamborghini? Anyway, lots of classic cars that are like famous poster cars are yeah. this wedge shape, thin at the front, big at the back. Um, they look gorgeous. The reason that cars aren't designed that way anymore is very specific. There are laws against it. Oh, really? Yeah. So there aren't laws coming going. You can't have a wedge shaped car. That's but it's not safe. Yeah, they're not considered. Basically, you, have you noticed most cars are getting rounder and rounder? The reason for that is that it's technically safer if you hit someone with that car when they roll over because it's round. It will it will damage them less than if there's sharp edges to the vehicle. Yeah. So the wedge shaped design went out the window. EU laws. So so within Europe, there are EU laws that state there have to be a certain amount of roundness to your car design, which is why the cars in this future shown in Ghost of the Shell wouldn't exist. And they would be not necessarily bubbles because you don't want to jam someone underneath it, but it would basically be like a flat plate with like a really curvy round bubbly Mm. bit that you sit in that would be at a gradiated curve so that a body could roll over it if it was to hit a person and do the least amount of damage. Um, But that will look shit as a vehicle. Mm. It'd be a horrible vehicle design, but obviously in terms of safety would be the best. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's that's kind of part of the problem you have. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to go into this imaginary future, I want it to look cool. I don't give yeah. a shit if it looks realistic to what current day car manufacturers have to go through. I want it to look fucking awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's just me ranting off about design because <laughs> I have a I actually have a, a college diploma in design. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, we talked, didn't we, during the film about, you know, some of the technology, like they wouldn't have, they probably wouldn't have 
guns like we know today. They'd be like laser pistols or something. Yeah. But that just looks cheesy. Um, also, the guy the guy who gets the ocular implants, that is a continuity error within the film itself because mm. we clearly see that they're able, multiple times that they're able to do very realistic ocular implants. Yeah, because he and, says to her, I guess I see like you now, yeah. which suggests it's the same technology. Yeah, but his just look like little camera lenses. Yeah, but uh, hers are actual... They look like eyeballs. Yeah, which has obviously been done to um, mimic the design of the character in the... In the anime. In the anime. But actually, even within the anime, if it's the if the story goes the same way in the anime as it does in this film, with that that guy's... Like, the reason that guy has yeah. the eyes like that, then it is a continuity error from Source. Yeah. Um, I feel like in the anime, maybe he already has them, and it's because he's from an earlier yeah, technological period. Uh, from what I recall, some of the earlier parts of this film, they basically expand on certain things, and I think his eyesight is one of them. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, it's people just be like, why is there a guy with camera eyes now? You know, mm. you're trying to explain he's still fully human, except for having whatever that thing is that allows them to psychically talk to each other yeah, and the then mind, eventually the mind calm yeah and then eventually the eye cameras yeah um I, it's this thing where a japanese audience would just accept it from the off yeah this guy's eye cameras all right cool whereas the western audience like, but why yeah <laughs> so what do we think of scarlett johansson's performance in this she's I I felt it was quite a cold performance, and I know people are going to go, but she's playing a robot. Um, she's not playing she's a robot. Not a robot is she? no. She's playing a brain in a robot body. Yeah, so she'd still be human, but she's had a lot of her experiences deleted, or at least um, blocked, so she wouldn't have true. access to memories. I think she does a good job with what she's given, though I would... I think the coldness, the inherent coldness, is uh, a fault from Source, I don't recall the major in the uh, anime actually being particularly emotional no, either. She's very robotic. Yeah. Because that was one of my problems with that film. Yeah. Was she isn't a robot. She's yeah. a human brain in a robot body. That's a big difference. Yeah. So, which is why I can understand there needing to be a curve up. The problem is, is like, I wouldn't mind that as the start point because we see that she has her memories either deleted or blocked. Um, so she would operate a little bit more robotically or seem a little bit more out of place in terms of social interaction. But when she's told to stop taking the tablets, mm. when she does that, we should start to see... not She gets the curve increase on memories and stuff like that. We witness all of that. She should get the same thing with the amount of her emotions, but we don't see the emotions increase, just the memories. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to show that the memories... Because realistically, the memories will impact your emotional state. Of course, yeah. Because that's the thing. Like, even the uh, main guy... I can never remember his cocking name. The guy with the uh, camera eyes. He... Um... <laughs> we literally just looked it up a minute ago. Yeah. Let's call him Lemmy. Uh, Le <laughs> it's not his name, by the way, but fuck it. Um, but that's yeah. not my name. That's it's not, not my, my name. name. Ting Tings. Uh, anyway. Garbage song. He's a garbage song. And I have a CD of it. You know why? Ugh. I went to Sony once and they went, here, please take it. <laughs> For free. <laughs> yeah, literally giving them away. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about one hit wonders, eh? Oh, Christ. They had a whole album and it was like, oh, you have one song on this album. Um, but basically, even he says um, to her at one point when she, right near the beginning, he goes, oh, you don't remember anything? She's like, no. He's like, well, it's probably for the best. You know, my, my, all my memories do is get in the way. Yeah. And it's like, Again, it's one of those philosophical setups that never pays off. Yeah. 
because um, it would have been interesting for her to understand as her emotions come, her, her uh, memories come back, that her emotions will change and yeah. her behaviours will change. So does the since we've already agreed, by and large, we agree that although the film sets up emo, uh, the philosophical questions, it never really answers them. Yeah, because it's too preoccupied going in an action route. Yeah. So is the action worth it? How does this rank compared to? Like, like, how are the action scenes in this for you? I really like the action scenes in most of this. Uh, I, I wouldn't have said it was the best action film, uh, even if I was just pure, uh, even if I was just judging it purely on its action sequences. Um, but they work for the va- for the vast most part. It works for me. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest. I'm not unless it's a stunt film, something like Jackie Chan does, or something like that. Action fi- action sequences are not the thing that draws draws me to a film. Mm. It tends to be the drama around the yeah. action sequences. Um, Which is yeah. the interesting thing, because the critics mostly agree that the drama is not worth it. Yeah, I disagree um, with them on that, but, but then I like to... I like it... I prefer a film to have ideas, even if it doesn't pay them off, because then I can think about them. Yeah, see, I would have wanted it. I would prefer this to be more of a drama and explore those ideas than I agree. Be what it is. I agree. Like um, the action, I know why the action was though, because they ain't going to spend 127 million or whatever it was no. on a drama. Um, the action's fine for the most part. It there's a couple of moments where things feel weightless, mm. um, and I don't know if that's done to show her strength as a robot. Or it was just a mistake. You know, mistakes happen. Mm. Um, there's a bit where she whacks a guy around the face with a baton and he goes flying. But it's <laughs> it's really obvious that she hasn't got anywhere near him. Yeah. And the way he flies off is just like it's a, a bit, bit silly. OTT, yeah. Um, I for me there was um, another one of the bits that looked bad was um there's a there's a real bad green screen shot and I I know this is a, it's a, one of the shots I remember because it was in all the trailers as well and even in the trailers I kept going hmm that must be one of those things where they've the trailers not got the fully rendered effects in it because they do that sometimes don't sure. they no no this is how it looks in the film and it's the bit where there's the garbage man who's been hacked mm. and he's in the water and she's invisible and she comes out from invisible to visible yes. with the city behind her and she decks him one man the green screen yeah <laughs> that yeah. it doesn't it yeah that's one bit that I, I remember it from all the trailers and it's it just doesn't quite work no um thankfully it's brief yeah but at the same time you are right it didn't hold up something this film suffers from is there's if you're going to do it as an action film which they have there's no good villain because the person you think is the villain turns out to not be the villain, and the guy who actually is the villain doesn't even fight the major in the climactic battle. Yeah, so it's a spider fi- tank. Yeah, which she defeats in one move, basically. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, it's very cool that she literally tears herself apart to beat it. Yeah. Doesn't feel earned. No, it doesn't. I I will say it felt more stressful in the original. That's one thing I remember mm. is that it takes a bit longer for it to get it up, like get it up, yeah. to rip the. Uh, it top has of the to tank, feel but... that has to feel like it's her last resort. Like yeah. she has tried everything else to beat this thing, but I don't want a spider tank as my fight. That should be the thing they fight before they fight the main villain. Yeah, but instead, she or he fights... should be in it, and they she drags him out, of Eggman it. style. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she fights that. And then beat Takeshi Katano just shoots the bad guy. Yeah, just shoots him in the head and goes, right, see you later, mate. And it's a bit like, oh. And the bad guy is just like a standard billionaire Elon Musk stand-in. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I want more money. Money, money, money. Yeah. 
that was a uh, part of my problem. But I, di- I didn't hate the film. I know I'm sounding quite down on it. I didn't hate. The it film. has inherent problems, and unfortunately, when you no matter if, if, whether you love a film or don't love a film or think it's average, even um, if you're mentioning the negatives of something, it's a negative. You know, and this this film does have a lot of inherent problems. And I think some of them are because of the source, where they've been trying to adapt the source uh, and the errors that I feel were inherent in that. Some of them are new er- errors that have come in because of various reasons. And then the final one is ones where they've just sort of not thought about it because, it, meh, it doesn't matter. It's a Hollywood action movie. Yeah. Uh, but I still like this film. Um I would watch it again. Yeah. Not necessarily anytime too soon. It's not one of those that you watch every year or something religiously. Yeah. It's not Wild Hogs. But it's <laughs> But it is it's a good film. Um Yeah, I I think it was unfairly lambasted. Yeah. This is um, a it's a popular franchise in Japan. In Japan there's actually two films and a series. Uh so there's so yes and no. So there's Ghost in the Shell. Mm. There's Ghost in the Shell 2.0. There's also uh, Ghost in the Shell Arise, which I think is I can't remember if that's a series or yeah. a film. That's a but, series. Well, no, there's um, Ghost in the Shell. A oh, uh, socket's called Society of something or something of Society. There's like at least two series. I think Arise is a series. I think you're right. And then there's another series as well. Right. It's got quite a bit going. And I, I, from what you've said, it sounds like it was also based on a, a comic before a that, manga, which yeah. a lot of anime tends to be, to be fair. Yeah. Even Akira was based on a manga. Yeah, nearly everything is. They they publish mangas like mad, don't they? In, yeah, it's insane. In Japan. They just crank them out. Yeah. Anyway. So what Marvel wishes they could have done. <laughs> Um, okay. I don't really have much else to say. Um, none of, nothing like the music or anything like that really stood out to me in this film. It's not bad. No, no. But there was nothing special about it either. Agreed. I didn't have any of those tracks where I was like, oh, this is, uh, this Nothing gets you fully pumped, does it? There's, yeah. And it doesn't, I mean, there's no, for the better, I think, because of the genre, but there, there was no uh, pop music as such, mm. no licensed music, or at least that I could recognise. But there was, like, for example, I watched Strange Days a while ago, and that's a film we're going to be doing mm. on this channel at some point. Uh, Strange Days has music in it that really stands out. Yeah. Um, you may or may not like it, Depending on the music, but it's very much up front and center as a, a, a showcase mm. of certain types of house and um, rock metal music. Uh, there is nothing akin to that in no. Ghost in the Shell. And let me ask you about um, so there's a scene in this that's clearly meant to be the big emotional crux of the film, mm. which is when Scarlett Johansson's major meets the woman who was actually her mum. When she had a human body, like oh, a real this in, life. Is mom. this in the bedroom where all the padding's on the walls and ceiling? No, no. <laughs> I'm on about the Japanese lady she meets, not Juliet Bonnet. Oh, I see. Yes. Um, that's obviously meant to be the emotional crux of the film. Yeah. It falls a bit flat for me. It does, and I think this it's... woman's like, you feel familiar somehow, and it's like, but she hasn't said anything to you. Yeah. Well, the other bit that nearly made me laugh was when she's like. It's your eyes, the way you look at me. And Scarlett Johansson's just looking at her like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I'm like, 
did your daughter just stare at you like what the fuck yeah. <laughs> like, also we never really get an explanation as to why she ran away because the mother seems to be a lovely person the, the mm. film just projects her as this lovely person yeah um scarlett johansson doesn't really have any negative memories of this mother even though she recognizes her and she has kind of positive feelings towards her but the mother basically states that she ran away ended up living in homeless in this box uh the japanese version of a tardis uh, until the police came took them and then used them for experiments yeah so it, there's no actual explanation as to you know did they have an argument did they you know was her mum actually not as nice as she seems which i don't think would be the case that the film's going for because she's meant to be the emotional crux of the story so there didn't really seem to be any there didn't seem to be any reason why she'd run away. No. Where'd she gone? No. Why? Why didn't she just go, oh, mum, can we... Why didn't she move out instead? Like, she... Was he her boyfriend, <clears throat> that guy? They Did lived she... together in the home, but yeah, they... she run away with him, maybe? But they... Yeah, it's not really suggested. She, she... We know that they lived in the homeless shelter together, mm. but... Even then, like, there's no... This is, again, where <clears throat> the story only works if you don't think about it. Because the minute you start splitting pieces of it apart, because even the, her relationship with him towards the end, like when they after she's defeated the spider tank, mm. there's very much this beautifully shot emotional symbolism with the way that they're meant to be almost romantic. Yeah. But none of the storyline sets that up. No, none of and we even if they're meant to be romantic when they live together in the homeless shelter, we never see any of it. Yeah, so. All that happens is, it's like, oh, I knew Dave. Oh, we've both been in this fight <clears throat> and lost. Well, half lost. We won, but we've got no fucking legs. Mm. And then they're lying next to each other going, oh, this is the person. Run away with me. Come with me. And then he dies. And then she's like, no, no. And it's yeah. like, what? Like, where did this come from? Yeah. Like, we needed, I think we needed, when they start the memories coming back, they should have come a little bit more thick and fast. Didn't need a lot of them. Just set up your ending. Yeah. I I want to end on saying a positive. So I will yeah, say, um, I did really like the bit. I say really like. I liked. <laughs> this positive just suddenly went into a bit of a negative, Jamie. I like the bit where she gets hacked. Yes. When she has plugged into the woman who's died, the geisha. Oh, the robot, geisha, yeah, yeah. And um, she has, it's almost a dream sequence of getting hacked where she sees the man in the hood and he reaches for her. She runs away and then she's like drowning in a sea of arms that are all reaching for her. Yeah. I liked that. That, that was, was a, a lovely visual. And I will say the, the hacking scenes in this looked better than uh, Johnny Mnemonic. And that's not just because of the time difference between the visual effects. Mm. When we watch Johnny Mnemonic, you'll see what I mean. Right. Um, if you, you watched Hackers with me on VGMP, yeah. didn't you, right? What did you think about the hacking scenes in that? Do you mean the bit where it was like the CGI city? Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, so... It's like that. No. Think that. Worse. It's worse than that. <laughs> so the CG, you've got the CGI city stuff. That looked yeah. really good compared to Johnny Mnemonic. Right. Though Johnny Mnemonic may be... No, it's about the same shade, really, as the Lawnmower Man. Right. Um, have you seen the Lawnmower Man? I've seen the clips that you're... Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a... If you cross the visual style of the hackers hacking scenes with 
the oh, lawnmower no. man's visual ga- video game bits. Smush those together, you've got Johnny Mnemonic. Right. Um, yeah, it's a bit more psychedelic than uh, Lawnmower Man. But, <sighs> fuck. Uh, <laughs> one of the things as well, now you mentioned the Geisha, that doesn't come back up. Because the Geisha, isn't it meant to be just a robot? Yes. So the Geisha's meant to be just a robot, but... When she, like after she's had the first bit of fight and the geisha's on the floor, oh, it pleads the, for its it life. Pleads for us, it pleads please save me, save me. We never get an answer as to why. Yeah, you're right. I thought it was going to turn out that actually the geisha was a human as well. Yeah, like there was. We never get an actual response as to why she's pleading for her life. The robot doesn't seem to need to plead for its life. No. And I was like, okay, is this the hacker pleading for its life? But then when we meet the hacker, he never does that. Are we supposed to read into it, but they haven't done it very clearly? When you find out that there were 98 failed experiments before her... She could have been one of them. Are we supposed to believe that the geishas are one of them? But even so, would you release your failed... Because they didn't release him, did they? I think the point is, um, because they didn't want to waste money, um, they just made it obedient... Yeah, but him they couldn't make obedient because there is a bit where the villain says, um, "Oh, he was a complete failure because we couldn't make him be obedient." Mm. So I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things where they haven't set it up very well, but you're supposed to read that into it. Maybe, maybe, maybe. it's it's never it's if it, that is the case, and it's never made clear. Yeah, um, which is a shame because conceptually, the minute where she started pleading for her life, I was invested, and I was like, I really want to see where that storyline leads. Nowhere. nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> right off a of dead end and dip fuck nowhere. Absolutely. Okay. Um, one of the other continuity errors that I never figured out an answer to is uh, the two guys who drive the garbage truck. Obviously, they're two normal guys. Uh, there's guns in the garbage truck, though. He is questioned on that. And he goes, I don't know anything yeah, about she, guns. She says, when did you stash those guns there? Yeah. So uh, clearly the the, main, the villain guy, the robot guy, he clearly has stashed those guns knowing he's going to hack those two specific yeah. garbage Which, men. Okay, fine. Except for like the garbage, the, the guy who, the guy that had kidnapped and question after mm. the attempted assassination... He runs away from the uh, attempted assassination with uh, an invisibility cloak on. Yeah. And he was he never put one on. He was wearing it throughout the whole scene, right, I think. I, I, I don't recall him ever just pulling on the... Like, after being hacked, pulling on the invisibility cloak. I must cloak. admit, I didn't notice. No. I, maybe we should watch it again just to... Not, not the whole thing, that bit. Um, just to see if he does pull on a cloak. Yeah. I could be wrong, but from what I recall, he doesn't pull the cloak on. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so the guy was just walking around before he was hacked in an invisibility cloak. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Like Harry Potter. Mm. Expelliarmus. Okay. So I think we've probably said all there is to say about Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it's good. Um, but I don't think it's brilliant. It's it, it, it sets up a lot of good ideas and doesn't serve any of them. Okay. What do you no think? Problem, no problem. What's your final say on it? It's fine. <laughs> it's it's a fine sci-fi action film. It's not going to change your life to see it. Mm. Um, I need to see the original again to decide which one's better. Fight! Mortal Kombat! Mortal Kombat! So Do you they- want me to send you that file so no. you can edit it? Oh. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is all for today. Thank you for joining us. Please do join us again next week where we'll be talking about a different film. Uh, please do follow us on the Twitter 
at the Impala Films, um, and you can also find Rory at Cyberpunk Film. Cyberpunk Studios. At Cyberpunk Studios. Oh, you mean my Twitter? Yeah. Hang on. I can never remember. I'm sure it's at Cyberpunk Film, because your company's called Cyberpunk Studios. Yeah, but I think someone stole it. Yeah, it's at Cyberpunk Film, you're right. You know, my cyber, you know my Twitter better than I do. There we go. At Cyberpunk Film to follow what Rory's up to. You can check out our other show, VGMP, the video game movie podcast, where we review movies and TV shows adapted from video games, uh, which is usually quite fun. Most of them are fucking awful. Um, and you can also... You've recommended 11 of them, I'll have you know. Out of... Oh, 12 now, I think. or so. 12 out of 50 so far. That's not a good hit, right? It's just 12... And you can also listen to Haunted, the audio drama, the audio drama series that I created and I co-run with my colleague Benton Hodges. Uh, that is a Doctor Who X-Files style mashup. It's a horror adventure series with a little bit of comedy, a little bit of sci-fi, a little bit of romance, a little bit of everything uh, that releases episodes every week. And you can find that on all good podcasting apps. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a second take on Ghost in the Shell. <laughs>